The following is a continuation in our series looking at how God uses us to help one another. We hope you enjoy. We know that the audio quality for the following recording is not up to our normal standard, and we apologize for that, but we're going to still put it up, and we hope that we can figure out what went wrong and get you better audio quality going forward. So thank you for tuning in, and I hope you have a great day. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the time we come together, and we ask that you would please be with us and help us to continue to recognize uh, our youth and how much we each other and how much we Amen. I go and turn to Luke chapter 6. We'll read that in just a minute. While you're doing that, there's a saying in my homeland, North Carolina. It says, What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Very country sounding thing, but what's in the well comes up in the bucket. And that means that whatever is in a person's heart is eventually going to go up. It's going to come out. Whatever is inside of our heart is going to be. And when we think of the heart, what do we typically think of? Blood. Okay, we think of this little organ that pumps blood throughout our body. Okay, it's a fascinating organ. It pumps 2,000 gallons of blood for 6,000 miles of arteries and veins every day. It beats 100,000 times a day. And as important as that organ is to our life, there's actually another sense of the heart that we tend to see in the scriptures and in the way that we speak. So when we talk about the heart of a person, that's really who they are as a human being. Now you'll look be very thankful that the terminology that was used in the ancient Near East to describe the very same thing that we're describing right here used to be the vowels. So if somebody used to say, I love you with all the vowels. So be thankful that that's not the way that we speak. Imagine the Valentine's Day cards. Sweetheart, I love you all my, my ears. <laughs> but when we talk about the heart, like, that really is who we are as a human being. Like, if we love somebody with all our heart, that's like the deepest form of love that we can share. Or if our heart is that we want to serve others, that means like everything about us wants to be service-oriented. So there's something about the way that we use the word heart that is super fitting for us tonight, because what I want to do is ask this question, how did you get this help? So last week, we said, why do we need help, or do I really need help? And tonight we're going to address, how do I get this help? So if you take a note, here's, here's our main point for this evening. We get to receive help by starting with the heart. We get to receive help by starting with the heart. So I want to start by asking, why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? I'm going to start with Luke 6, and Caleb's going to come up first. Sorry, David's going to come up first. Luke 6, 43 through 45. We've read this passage recently. This is Jesus talking about a tree that bears good fruit and a tree that bears bad fruit. So, David, you know, you're For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from the herb bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil out of his evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart is that speaks. So Jesus gives us a very practical example of the way that our hearts function, what comes out of it. Good trees bear good fruits. And that's not to say that good trees only bear good fruits. 
before. Uh, good, good trees can produce bad fruit, but generally, a healthy tree is going to, is going to produce good fruit. And in the same term, bad trees typically won't produce bad fruit. And that's not to say that a bad tree will never bear any good fruit, but generally, it will not produce good fruit. The principle here is this. And Jesus is trying to tell us that a good tree will bear good fruit because the fruit is being grown, nourished, and sustained by something that's healthy. And in turn, he's telling us that a bad tree will not bear good fruit because the fruit is being grown, nourished, and sustained by something that's sick, something that's malnourished, or something that's dying. And the picture that he's really trying to get us to see here is the spiritual side of us, the heart. If our heart is being filled with stuff that is vile and evil, then we should not expect good, holy, wonderful things to come forth. A heart that's being fed by good, healthy things will not be described, as he says here, as a, a bush, a thorn bush, or a bramble. And the reason is because they're healthy. Okay? I don't know about you, but thorns are not fine. I have thorns in my front yard, a rose bush. And when I'm picking weeds in our little garden, I often forget that there's a rose bush there, and I often stab myself with the, the rose thorns, and it always catches me off guard. But a good fruit, a good tree will bear good fruit because it's not meant to bear that Good fruit here, like figs and grapes, don't come from thorn bushes or plants. They come from big and great plants. And what this boils down to, look at verse 45. And we've heard this passage before, and we know this to be true, but oftentimes we prefer if it wasn't true. That out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, we, this is frustrating for us because it's very convicting. We can't look back at the words that we've said and say, well, that came out of nowhere. Because all of our words come from somewhere. And whether or not we meant to actually say them out loud, they were still in our hearts before we said them. You may not have intended to say something, but the attitude behind our words is always there. And that's what he means by out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can't blame our words. We have to blame what? Blame our hearts. That's the problem. That's all of our problems. We all have a heart problem. We aren't innocent in that because we choose to fill our hearts with things that are, are often unhelpful for us, that are not good, that are not healthy, they are not holy in any way. And that doesn't mean that we need to just cut our eyes and minds off from the culture and from the world, but what it does mean is that we have a responsibility to be aware of what we take in, what we soak ourselves in, what we surround ourselves in. We too often think that the things that we consume don't really affect us. Okay? Ask any young girl struggling with an eating disorder that social media and advertisements don't have any barrier over what she lives any young boy struggling with anger and holding on to grudges, what that does to you over time, all you're doing is fill yourself with more anger and bitterness. That stuff affects us. We can't just sit here and say, oh, I'm mean to that. No, what we fill our hearts with is going to overflow. So if you find yourself struggling in a certain area, ask yourself the question, what am I consuming? Like, what am I pouring my heart and my mind and my mind <laughs> Anyone struggling with addictions, Ask them what the culture has told them about what they need. So on and so on. We have a heart problem. And when we feed a heart with stuff that's already bad and stuff that's even worse, we should expect nothing less than junk to come out. There's a, you know, Red Lingard? Yeah, Red Lingard, they do funny videos on YouTube. They're, they, they're a good mythical morning uh, show. 
they do these funny videos, and one of the, the segments that I actually really think is really funny that they do is they run things through water filters that aren't meant for water filters. Things like energy drinks or coffee, mouthwash, lemon juice, wine. Uh, and they, they drink them afterwards to see how different they taste. And without fail, nothing that goes into that water filter tastes good after it has come out the other side of it. And the reason is because none of those things were meant for water filters. Water filters are meant for water, okay? And if you've ever tasted water that's come out of a water filter, it's crisp, it's delicious, it's refreshing. Okay? But these things were not meant for water filters. You and I were created to be in relationship with God. Our hearts were meant to be filled with things that are good, with things that are holy. So when we put things into our hearts that aren't meant to be there, what's going to happen? It's not going to produce things that are good. It's not going to produce things that are healthy for us. It's going to affect us in negative ways. The Holy Spirit wants us to fill our hearts with what it was meant for, our relationship with God. So how do we get this help? How do we get this help? Let's look at Matthew 23. Okay, we're going to come up and read Matthew 23, 25, and 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, but the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which outwardly are beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all actual. Alright, so Jesus is coming head to head with the Pharisees here. Okay? These were the religious leaders, the ones that were often flaunting their holiness. I'm putting that in quotation, for their original holiness. And they would do so from a very hypocritical thought. So these, these religious leaders, they would be in the public places, and they'd be going around in their fancy clothes. They'd be praying uh, prayers that had big fancy words. When they would go to uh, the public places, they would always take the best seats. So they wanted to be the center of the place. And Jesus calls out something here. He's calling out the way that their hearts are functioning. Okay? And I think our hearts can function in these ways too. So here he really addresses this whole idea of hypocrisy. Okay? Have any of you ever done something hypocritical? Everyone of you should be raising your hands. So let's see them. Oh, I did. Yes, yeah. Okay. So we all have this tendency to be hypocrites. And the Bible really wants us to think about the way that we operate, the way that we think, the way that we live, so that we don't display hypocrisy in our lives. And here with these Pharisees, see, they were actually really, really good at doing this. Okay, because again, they would flaunt their holiness, holiness, in front of other people. And in doing so, they were trying to make themselves look really, really good. But on the inside, how does Jesus describe it? He uses two illustrations here. You can say this out loud. How does he describe these Pharisees? Calls them, okay, calls them whitewashed tombs, and he, he describes them as a cup and a plate that are only been cleaned on the outside. Every now and then, my dishwasher gets little pieces of like popcorn or food caught in the little thing that stays. And when that happens, I have to go in there and like clean it out. But if I keep washing the dishes, when that thing is clogged, it doesn't actually clean the dishes. They just come out already dirty. The outside gets clean because water gets the top, but nothing's shooting up. So that, that's a similar thing that's going on here. They, they're like these cups and plates that have been washed on the outside, but inside is what? Still dirty, still gross. Whitewashed tombs. Here's just a little bit unknown fact for you. I used to, to be a very stupid person in here. Okay, well, I didn't know that. So I used to make sure all the tombstones looked well. I used to cut the grass, 
trim the, the bushes and, and prune the flowers. And this is part of my job. Uh, and in a graveyard, uh, most of the graves are kind of old and gross looking, but when a new tombstone was put in, oftentimes these like beautiful marble, I don't know if you've ever seen like a fresh marble tombstone, they're gorgeous, they're beautiful. And as beautiful as they are, what lies below that tombstone? Death. Rotting. A flesh that is disintegrating, right? As beautiful as it is on the outside, underneath it, it's just full of death. That's how he's describing the heart of these Pharisees. He's saying, yeah, you can look pretty and good on the outside, but your heart is full of death. It's full of hypocrisy. It's full of self-indulgence and greed. He says they're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness in verse 28. And this should really grab our attention because oftentimes we want to put forth the best version of ourselves while also trying to hide all the parts of ourselves that we hate and don't like. And Jesus is saying, like, we need to work on our hearts. We need to work on the ways that we view ourselves, the way that we interact with the others. If we're going to get the help we need, we have to start there. Because if we start with just our behavior, what's going to happen? Will our behavior change? It might, for a little bit. But if all we do is address behavior and we don't get after the heart, then our behavior is, is going to be just like this. We're just going to be putting on a show. We're just going to be putting on a good face, just like these Pharisees. Uh, let's turn to Hebrews 4. Carolyn is going to come in this morning. Hebrews 4, 12 to 16. <laughs> For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must, to whom we must give account. Since then we have had a, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us have Alright, so how do we get the help we desperately need? What do we need to do? We have to go out straight to the heart and we have to fill it with good. The scriptures are very clear at how we do that. Writer Hebrews here tells us that the best thing that we can do to fill our hearts with things that are good is to fill it with what? To fill it with God's Word. To fill it with the Scriptures. He describes it as a double-edged sword. Now, do you, know, do you understand the significance of what he's trying to say? If it's a double-edged sword, what direction does it cut? Both ways. It's going to cut on either side. Okay? So it's going to pierce deep. Okay? The problem is sin has this ability, this strong ability to, to try and distract us from what is good and it wants to fill us with things that are unhelpful. And filling ourselves with God's Word is one of the best ways to combat that. And I know that sounds like very youth pastorish of me to just say, well, you guys just need to read the Bible. That's true. We do. We all do. I need to. But we have to start there. Because if we just start with like self-help books or good advice from our friends or what feels good in the moment is what's going to happen. Yes, we might make some good decisions, but ultimately we're not, again, going after the heart. We're not changing what needs to be changed. We're not seeing the Holy Spirit change what needs to be changed. And Jesus himself is given as the greatest decision. Jesus, our great high priest, 
He goes behind the inner curtain, that, that inner sanctum is visible. He, he goes to the deepest parts of our hearts, just like that double-edged sword does. It transforms us from the inside out. And we can't transform ourselves from the outside in. So it doesn't work that way. It has to be done from the inside out. And the beautiful thing is that we can't transform ourselves. The Holy Spirit does. We ask for His help. Paul David Tripp, who I've quoted several times the past couple weeks, he describes a family trip that he and his family took to Disney. Here's what he writes. He says, Expectation very quickly leads to disappointment. The direct relationship between expectation and disappointment is clear to anyone who's looked at resort brochures before a family vacation. When our children were young, we decided to go to Disney World. We sat with them and poured over the gloriously multicolored brochures that only Disney can produce. We approached the park with thoughts of amusement park bliss. No one told us that we would actually experience a 55-minute wait to get on ride for the last 30 seconds, while we endured temperatures of 97 degrees with 100% humidity. There's a direct relationship between expectation and disappointment. Now, if our expectation in life is to fill ourselves with things that are unhelpful, things that are ungodly and not good for us, then we're going to be severely disappointed when all we do is put out more junk. We put out more unhelpful things. Sin always promises us something, but it never delivers. You ever think about that? Sin is always promising you that it's going to make you happy. It promises you that you're going to feel good, feel better, that it's going to bring you joy. I don't know about you, but every time I've committed some sort of sin, what do we feel? What's the number one emotion we feel? Guilt and shame. So sin is always going to promise you something that it never gives us. The Bible is the opposite. Jesus is the opposite. Jesus promises what? He promises eternal life. And does he ever disappoint? No. He doesn't. And that's, that's what he wants us to understand. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand? Our hearts deceive us into thinking that we don't need help. That we don't need to transform our hearts. We don't need to see that change from within. We can just put on good behavior. We can put on a good face. We can make ourselves look good on the outside. But what Jesus is saying is, don't start there. Because if you start there, you're, you're always going to be left disappointed. You're always going to feel like a failure. Okay, our hearts need help from the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't want us to just change our actions. He wants to see our hearts molded and shaped by the Scriptures. That's kind of what I want us to see tonight. We get to receive help by starting with the heart. If we don't start there, then we're just going to see ourselves putting band-aids on a bigger problem. It's just going to get worse and worse. So we're going to talk about that disorders. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the transformation that you give us. Thank you for your love and kindness to us. We ask that you help us to think about the ways that our hearts view life and view culture and view all the things that we take in. Lord, I ask that you view these students and help them to have a certain level of discernment in how um, they use their hearts and what they put in so that we can actually see ourselves grow. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WIM.